This is Ryan Reed, and you're listening to the Juice Box Podcast. Ryan, hey, it's Scott. Not perfect. Okay. Is it better for you? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's good for me too. Okay. Well, I don't want to keep you any longer than we have to, but I do have some questions for you. So if you're ready, I'd, I'd like to get going. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Oh, great. Okay, so um, I'm pretty sure you don't remember this because I almost don't remember, but I think you and I met briefly in a in a hotel lobby in Philadelphia about a year ago at some sort of diabetes event. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, no kidding. Okay. I'm out at dinner with my family the other night, and I start getting messages from everybody, people I know, people I don't know, people who just read my blog, and they're like, oh my God, are you watching this? Are you looking at what's happening? Like, Ryan's going to, you know, look what's happening. And, I'm, and so I'm, I'm in a restaurant. I get the guy to, uh, to turn the, uh, the ball game off. There was a college basketball game on, and he switched it for me, and I got to see the last two laps. Just first of all, congratulations. It is, uh, it's an amazing accomplishment, and I can't imagine how you must feel at the moment. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a, it's been a really cool week. Um, you know, I was uh, it was really it was really cool. My family was there, and uh, it was just uh, it was awesome. You know, it's our that's our biggest race of the year. So, um, you know, to win our biggest race of the year is, is awesome. And then also too, I mean, everyone's there. You know, I mean, just you know, like Etzel Ford was there, and I mean, just it was a really cool deal. Um, you know, and I don't know if you know this, but Etzel Ford's son has type one diabetes also. So, um, I didn't know. Yeah, and so it was. A, it was a really cool moment for for everyone, and uh, just it was. It's been awesome. It's been. I'm tired. Uh, it's been. A, it's been a long week. I feel like I haven't gotten much sleep, but it's been. It's been really cool. That is totally going to be one of my questions. Um, so you you've run forty races, about forty races. Yep. And yep. you top three or top ten three times. Yeah, yeah, and de- definitely not a statistic that we're we're proud of, but you know we're we're uh, we're definitely dedicated to improve on that this year. So you were well on your way to another top ten while this race was coming to an end. And then, I mean, for, I guess, non-race goers, it looked like the end of Star Wars in the, <laughs> in the, last, two, uh, in the last two laps where, you know, TIE fighters were just kind of spinning off to the sides and there were sparks flying around. And the next thing I know, I was like, I think Ryan's going to blow up the Death Star. Can you go through those two laps and tell me, like, from your perspective, what happened? Two laps to go, and the last two times as they entered the tri-oval, I thought Larson was going to make it happen, but each time at the start-finish line, it was Brad Keselowski leading, and now Larson dropping off in that outside well, lane. Almirola decided he was going to make his way around. I don't know if it was two to go or three to go, but we had, we had kind of gotten um, pushed aside. A car had uh, shuffled me to the outside, and which is the last place you want to be, um, especially when it's coming down to the end of the race and you're, and you're trying to win. Um, so... Um, I have a spotter, so for people who don't know what a spotter is, I have a, a guy who uh, sits on top of the pretty much the highest point of the racetrack and um, can over he overlooks the entire racetrack. We have a we have radios that we communicate with each other, and uh, he uh, you know he was kind of just coaching me through it what what uh, what line was moving, where I should go, and because I you know you can't see a whole lot when you're strapped down in the car, you can just kind of see what's right in front of you, and so. Um, we got back down to the bottom, so like we were on the very inside lane. Um, Amaro is pushing hard on Larson. Larson sideways into the oh, wall. Man. There he goes. That's that same wall. Will they let him race back? No caution yet. Sparks for Eric Alvarez. And so um, we got back down to the bottom, so like we were on the very inside lane um, in about fifth place, uh, coming to the white flag, and I was like, all right, well, you know what, we. Let's try and salvage here. Let's try and get another top five here. And um, 
you know, and uh, start the year off right. And um, we, um, and then the two second, third place got together, and they went down to the infield, and um, it left us sitting in uh, second. And then um, I was right inside of the thirty-three car, who was in third, and um, and my teammate was behind him. And so we were going through turns one and two, and um, you know I knew we were we were in a good position, um, but I mean I knew that. Uh, Brad Kozlowski was in the lead, and he was um, he was out kind of by himself, and so I knew that me and uh, me and the 33 car being by right by right beside each other, uh, it was just going to slow us down. So um, I was really fortunate. Uh, my teammate Chris Busher was uh, behind that car because he he jumped behind me and gave me a huge push down the backstretch, and uh, we cleared the 33 car, and then that kind of we set our sights on on uh, Brad Kozlowski in the 22 car, and. Um, you know, I knew we were going to have a chance. To, we were going to get a run on him. It was just going to be about timing it. You know, uh, Brad. Brad is way out there. If, if any if any of these guys get a good run, Brad is in, in trouble here. The track is clear, and they're going to race back to the checkered flag. We talked about the... And here comes Ryan Reed to the inside. Team Penske, Jack Roush, they've never won here in the Xfinity Series. One, two, three. They're all four to the front. It might be too soon. Reed trying to block his teammate, Chris Buescher. Here's the checkered flag. Ryan Reed wins it at Daytona. What a finish. And, um, you know, I knew we were going to have a chance. To, we were going to get a run on him. It was just going to be about timing it. You know, uh, Brad's, you know, he's won a Sprint Cup championship before. He's he's a really, really talented driver and uh, won a lot of these races. And so, um, you know, I knew it was going to be tough to get around him. But we timed the pass just right and, and got around him. And, and obviously uh, got our first win there, so it was uh, it was just really cool. I mean, the last couple laps, like you said, were were crazy and chaotic. And you know, I mean, I went from uh, looking like I wasn't even going to be able to contend for the win there with about two to go to um, to being the being in the catbird seat, and um, you know, obviously we don't take advantage of that on the last lap. When the two cars went into the infield, were you concerned the race was going to end under caution? Um, you know, honestly, you're, we were sit at the time, I just still didn't know if we had a shot at the win. So I was like, well, if the cash comes out right here, we're going to get like a third place finish. So, I mean, not a bad day. Right. Obviously, hindsight, I'm really glad the cash didn't come out. <laughs> but, you know, the, you know, the, the cars, they got together, but they never, they never stopped. You know, they just kind of slid through the infield and then got back going. So, um, you know, that was good. And I'm glad the NASCAR, NASCAR let us race to the end there. Yeah. It, when you came up on the, on the leader, it didn't, it wasn't a move that took a lot of time. Like you came up behind him and were around him on the left and, and he didn't have him. I didn't see him even have any time to do anything about trying to block you or keep you back there. And did that have to do with having another car behind you? Um, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, Chris gave us a really big push and, um, you know, we were going way faster than, than Brad, uh, going on the back straightaway. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was just about timing. You know, I knew Brad was going to block, and um, you know, he he does a really good job of uh, of keeping cars behind him at, at restricted play races, and um, you know, so it was like I said, it was going to be all about timing it perfect. Um, it was amazing. It really was. Yeah. What kind of car do you drive? It's a Mustang. Uh, I'm on the street, or no, 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 in the race. What are you driving? Yeah, it's a Ford Mustang. It's a Ford Mustang. How many horsepower? What's the top speed of that car in that race? Uh, there we go. About. Um, uh, I want to say we were probably, you know, 190-ish would be top speed. Okay. Can you put that into terms for somebody who's not ever going to go 190 miles per hour? Is there a way you can – I mean, what does it feel like? Is there anything in normal everyday life that you can equate it to? You know, I think that, you know, it's it's all relative. So, you know, you're going on the freeway at 90 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, whatever, you know, and, and the cars around you are going 80 miles an hour. Um, 
you know, that's how it's kind of how it feels, but you're running inches apart from each other and everything happens a lot faster, you know? So if you, you know, if you make a mistake or, you know, it's just, it, it really is hard to describe because, you know, there's sensations in the car, you know, that we describe, like, you know, the car gets tight, the car gets loose. And those are things that you don't feel at 80 miles an hour. Those are things you only feel at 190, 190, 180 miles an hour. So, but at that speed, the tiniest little thing on the track or imperfection. That yeah, and that's, really... and that's why setup becomes such a big deal. That's why crew chiefs and engineers are so important. So while you're while you're running for 300 miles in that situation, is it constantly adrenaline-filled, or have you trained yourself not to feel, like, pumped up during it? How, how, what's your state of mind while you're racing? I mean, you're going to have elevated heart rate, and you're obviously going to have some, you know, some amount of adrenaline going. Um, you know, obviously, when it gets down to ten to go, all those things increase. You know, your your heart rate picks up, your your adrenaline picks up, and um, you know, it's everything you got. But you know, I think for the majority of the race, it's you know, it's about pacing yourself and settling into a rhythm. You know, I think you'll hear drivers talking about rhythm a lot, and that's that's really important to be able to go out there and run 300 miles and and not make a mistake. You know, I think if you're right there on the edge the whole time. Um, it's just so easy to make a mistake and that's, that's when you get yourself in trouble. Does the adrenaline affect your blood sugar at all? Because now my daughter's 10, but she's a competitive athlete. And what I've noticed is if she's, if she goes out to the field to play softball with her friends, her blood sugar will fall from the activity. But the minute you tell her we're keeping score or this is important, you're trying to win, her blood sugar actually rises. We end up having to give her insulin for adrenaline. Does that happen to you? Yeah, um, it, uh, it, you know, between, I think between that and the, the dehydration, you know, I mean, it gets, uh, you know, that, you know, being in February, it's not too bad. Uh, but you know, like Atlanta last year, we raced Atlanta in, in August and, you know, some of the cars were seeing, uh, like 150 degree temperatures. And so, uh, you sweat so much, you know, uh, you know, some of the races you'll, you'll lose four to five pounds just in water weight. And, uh, I think that, I mean, that, those two things, you know, have a huge, huge uh, effect on my blood sugar. So, uh, di- for a second, just diabetes aside, is there, I mean, how would you compare your physical preparation to other athletes? You know, I think uh, it's, it's, it is a little different. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm in the gym every day, you know, and, and training as hard as I can. Um, and so I think, uh, you know, it's, it may not be exactly the same, you know, I think, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, you know, being a marathon or, you know, running a ra- driving a race car is as physically demanding as running a marathon, but, um, you know, it or, can't do one of those 12 foot standing long jumps like the guys at the NFL combine this week. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not a strong nor fast, uh, on my feet, um, as, uh, some of those guys in the, in the, in the combine right now, but, you know, regardless, it's, it's a different type of athleticism, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and also too, I think you're seeing the, uh, rise of, of, um, athleticism in NASCAR, you know, you got, a, you got a lot of triathletes in NASCAR, a lot of guys that are, um, competing in triathletes, just, triathletes just for fun, uh, triathlons just for fun, you know, because we all, we've all spent a lot of time training to get more prepared inside the race car. And we're having a lot of fun with, with that training. Um, you know, it's different for everyone. Like I'm really into CrossFit and, uh, and lifting weights and, you know, other drivers are into, uh, into, you know, the endurance type training, whether it's triathlons or marathons or whatever it is. So how much of that, I was going to say, how much of that do you think is just because you're a competitive person by nature and you need, do you need the competition when the race season's not happening? 
Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of fun, uh, in CrossFit class, you know, it's, it makes it competitive and you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you get to go in there and, you know, work out in these, you know, these classroom sessions and it's all scored and, uh, for sure, you know, it makes it, it makes it a lot more driven. You know, I think, uh, just going to the gym every day and, and working out by yourself or with a gym partner, it's, uh, it's not near as exciting, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't keep you near as driven. Um, so, you know, for me that that's awesome, you know, and I think it's different for different for everyone, yeah. but, um, you know, I know I have a lot of fun with it. And like you said, it's uh, it, I'm sure it does have a lot to do with being competitive. So if you know my podcast is is it's mainly ends up being for um, you know people who have type one diabetes or the people that love them. A lot of parents, but just in case we get a bunch of people in here that are coming from the NASCAR side that don't know, we mentioned your blood sugar. So you have type one diabetes. Now you're 21 years old now, and you were diagnosed um, at what age? I was diagnosed at 17, so um, uh, just a little over four years ago. I was diagnosed in February 2011. So any family history? Uh, no, I was the only one with type 1. My, my grandma has type 2 diabetes, but I mean, I was the only one in my family that, uh, that, that we know of that had type 1. And, type you, one. and at 17, you're, you're, a, you're a lifelong race car driver, right? When did you start driving? I started racing go-karts at four, so my dad raced, and um, you know it was something I grew up around. And uh, you know I, I was I was beating my dad up to get me a go-kart as soon as I could talk. I feel like so, um, you know I know I know my mom wasn't too impressed uh, having her four-year-old out racing go-karts, but nonetheless that was that was my passion. It's kind of it was your life too. Your father was a driver, and and you you followed right along after him. So having him there when you won the other day was he just. Was he just beyond excited? Yeah, it, it was really special. I mean, to have both my parents there and having Victory Lane be able to give him hugs as soon as I got out of the race car. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously it's been a lifelong, lifelong um, commitment uh, from both me and my dad, and and he was there for every step of the way, whether it was you know go kart races or late models or whatever it was. He was always right there. I mean, he's been to he's been to I would say seventy five percent of my races. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, or more, maybe 90% of my races. So I think he, uh, you know, I mean, for me and him, it was really special from that side. And then, you know, my mom, you know, she was there th- through my diagnosis. She was in the doctor's office for me, with me when I first got diagnosed. And, um, you know, so she was, she was there to see me at probably my lowest point. And, you know, so to be able to celebrate with that and, over, you know, just kind of celebrate overcoming that and, and being in victory lane with, with both of them was really, really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, not that there's a good time to be diagnosed with, type one but at 17 you probably felt pretty invincible at that point as you know you're a teenager you're you're driving cars you know faster than most people do you probably didn't feel like there was a lot that could that could get a hold of you like that so was the um but you seem to have come out of it I it seems to me pretty quickly but was there a period of time where you felt like you couldn't race or this was going to change your life yeah well when I got diagnosed the doctor told me I wasn't going to race so I think that uh you know, that was, you know, like I said, I, I did feel, you know, I mean, I was 17. I was actually getting ready to, um, uh, I was still in high school, but my, my school put me on independent studies so I could, um, I had a chance to go race late models in North Carolina. And uh, so I was packing up my stuff for me about there. And, um, you know, I was living in Bakersfield, California at the time. So, you know, I was 17, going to move across the country from my parents and uh, go chase my dream. And, um, you know, to be told that that was all going to end was, I mean, just incredibly devastating. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, you know, thank, uh, you know, just, I'm so thankful for my parents and, and them being there and helping me, you know, just, just being, you know, 
uh, supportive through it all was was huge for me. Well, was there just an attitude in your family that like we're not going to take that advice, or did you take it for a while and then, as you were sitting with it, decide I can't live like this? I mean, yeah, it wasn't so much advice as it was her. As uh, I mean, as the doctor just telling me flat out that it wasn't going to happen. It's a direction. So, yeah, and so I think uh, this person's yeah. not your doctor anymore. No, definitely not. <laughs> um, my, uh, I, you know. When I got di- when I got told that I went back and I didn't really know what diabetes was and I didn't you know I didn't know anything about it so I went back and researched it and started looking up athletes with with uh, type one diabetes and um, you know I found uh, Ann Peters um, you know I read about Charlie Kimball's story and um, you know he Ann Peters is his doctor and uh, you know she uh, she practiced her practice was like an hour away from my from where I was living at the time so um, you know I called her and uh, think. Uh, I don't remember how it all, exactly how it all went down, but I know uh, she had a waiting list, and then my dad made a made a call a week or two later and, and said, "Hey, you know, you know, this is this is Ryan's story. Here's what's going on." And uh, the receptionist went and got Ann, and she uh, she was like, "You know, can you be here tomorrow?" And we drove right down and uh, the next day, and uh, that's when things you know turned around right right then and there that day. You know, she gave me a lot of um, a lot of. I mean, she just flat out told me, you know, if if you want to do this, we'll get you back in a race car, you know, and. Um, it was, uh, you know, that was when it all all turned around for me. Yeah, that, that's spectacular. I'm glad you met somebody like that. So, the, I mean, the reason I was so excited to, to talk to you today on the podcast is because, you know, I write, my, my daughter has type 1 diabetes. She's 10, going to be 11 this summer. And she was diagnosed when she was 2. And her name is Arden. And um, what I've seen most in the community, especially from newer diagnosed people or and, and parents of children who are diagnosed uh, you know, recently, everyone kind of gets that feeling like, wow, this is going to change my life. And so when you're out there going 190 miles an hour, winning this race the other day, and people are starting to text and write messages on Facebook, and everything's going crazy in the diabetes community, I really genuinely believe it's because when they look at you doing this, they can feel better that it's, you know, their goals and their dreams are possible for them. So you really you took this seriously after you've after you um, you know decided you weren't going to take that doctor's advice and you went out and you found medical advice that that helped your goals in your life. You did you start a a charity? Well, I mean, it, I don't know if it was so much charity, but when I got when I, when Ann told me that I was going to be able to get back in a race car and that I was we were gonna we were gonna make this happen, um, you know, I I I really, I mean, it was still it was still devastating to me you know, having gone through all that and, um, you know, it was just such a horrible deal and I didn't understand why, you know, why, why, okay, so if this is possible, why did that doctor tell me that I couldn't and what's, you know, what's the deal here? And, and the more I learned about it, the more I realized, you know, how, how much, you know, uneducation there was and how much, how many misnomers and how many, you know, I can only imagine how many kids are, are going through this and maybe they didn't find an Ann Peters and maybe they didn't, uh, find a doctor who, who, who told them they, you know, they could go do whatever they wanted. And, um, so that's when I, I, we started Ryan's mission, which really was just, uh, it was just a website we put up that told my story and said, you know, but, you know, follow along, Ryan's back in a race car doing what he loves to do. And, uh, you know, hopefully you can find some inspiration here. And, um, you know, I wasn't racing in NASCAR at the time or anything like that. I was just running, uh, late models and, and lower divisions of racing, just trying to, uh, you know, just trying to keep doing what I, what I wanted to do, which was, you know, climb the racing ladder and, and hopefully be where I am today. And, um, you know, uh, and then that turned into uh, just you know I, the, the more the more I got involved and in, you know I'd go speak at events or I would go you know meet a family um, 
you know, I, I would, you know, I would just learn so much more about, about, uh, this disease and how many people it was affecting. And, you know, I'd meet these great kids or great families, um, you know, that had a, you know, an amazing story or, you know, the kid, you know, how, how you know, I'd meet these kids that, uh, were out playing, you know, five sports a year or whatever, um, and, and had diabetes. And it was just, it was so inspiring to me that I just kept wanting to get more and more involved. And, uh, that's when I started working with, uh, ADA and, um, and we kind of started the Drive to Stop Diabetes, which was um, kind of everything that I had talked about, but on a larger scale. And, and right about that time, I was getting the opportunity to go drive for, for Rosh Fenway. And so we were like, all right, well, let's go use this this bigger platform and spread a uh, spread a bigger message. And um, and uh, then Lily Diabetes came on board. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, it seems like it's all, I mean, it seems like that was yesterday that all that happened, but I guess it's been almost two years now. And, uh, you know, it's... Um, it's been so awesome to see the program grow and, um, you know, how many, you know, you talk about all the texts and tweet tweets and Facebook messages and all the support that, uh, that it's gotten, especially since Daytona win. But even before that, you know, I mean, last year there was a lot of ups and downs and, um, you know, I think that's one of the, the coolest things about, uh, about the diabetes community is just, you have, uh, you know, this tremendous amount of support, no matter, no matter what, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just so proud of anybody out there doing what they love to do. Um, that, uh, even, even through the struggles they're they're right there to support you. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been amazing, amazing to see. And then obviously it's been awesome to celebrate with all them and, and, uh, you know, get, get that win on behalf of everyone, you know, that's, that's been affected by it. Yeah. You, you lifted, man, you lifted everybody up. There's so many little kids, you know, with type one who I think look at the, at the screen and think, wow, you know, that guy's doing it. I have that too. And it's fantastic. I mean, you, and I know I know just from writing the blog and, and from doing the podcast, you realize you've helped somebody. It's just such a great feeling. You just want to keep doing it. it it's, it's, it really is. It's a wonderful feeling, and, and you're doing an amazing job on such a big, on such a big uh, level. Can I ask you, um, what do you, how do you manage? Is it, are you, do you do shots or pens? Yeah, or? I, I use a pen, um, and uh, um uh, it just gets so hot inside the race car that, you know, I mean, I feel like, you know, trying to, trying to use a pump would be in, in the race car would be very difficult and it'd be very stressful for me. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, just, you know, having a consi- consistent therapy for me is a big deal. You know I mean? I want to be able to, whatever, whatever I'm doing while I'm inside the race car, I want to be doing while I'm training and stuff like that. So switching back and forth from a pump and unhooking, I feel like it would just be, it'd be a lot. And honestly, uh, you know, using a pen is, um, it's, it's, you know, it's been, yeah, I mean, how do you get insulin during the race, during a race? If you need it. So let's talk about that for a second. So first of all, how do you know what your blood sugar is while you're racing? Uh, I use a Dexcom. So the Dexcom mounts on my dash and, um, you know, it, um, you know, it's, I have, I have a lot of gauges and stuff I have to monitor anyways during the race. Right. And that's just, you know, mounts next to all them. So it's, I mean, it's, it's really not, it's really not, you know, a lot of people ask if that's inconvenient or tough to, to, is it distracting from, it's from the race? And it's really not at all. I mean, yeah. it's just, I don't even think about it. It's well, just something I do. When the next version comes out of the Dexcom and it has Bluetooth in it, that'll be able to send a signal to the cloud. Do you think you'll let your crew watch your blood sugar? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I think I've, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that that's, um, you know, hurt, right? it's going to be the next, the, the next step in making, you know, my, my job easier. Right. Um, and you know, especially with management. Um, so, you know, I mean, Seth, uh, my crew chief, Seth Barber, asked me about it a couple times throughout the races. It is. So, um, you know, I think that that's something that uh, he's, it's obviously on his mind. And I think that would, that'd be cool for him too, to be able to, 
to to monitor it without having to uh, without having to ask. Yeah, it might lighten your load too. So um, yeah. when you get when you need in, when you need food, you know, carbs. How do you do that? I mean, you're saying it's 150 degrees. It can be 150 degrees in the car. You're sweating like crazy. You're in there for hours and hours. When you need when you need carbs, how do you get them? Uh, I have a drink, um, sign glucose. So it's a it's a sports drink, but we add dextrose and a few other things to it, um, just to just to raise the glucose and try and make it uh, glucose that's going to stay with me. But you know, I mean, it's I think it's in like a hundred ounce bladder, so I have I have plenty of it throughout the race. You know, I see. And, um, so that's amazing. You know, have you yeah. ever have you ever had to pit because of your blood sugar? No, um, you know it. Uh, we do a lot with diet and. You know, obviously, my training during the week I feel like helps a lot. Um, you know, diet and exercise. I mean, it's huge for me. Um, and uh, um, but I think um, we have a, we do have a guy on my pit crew trained to uh, during a pit stop give me an insulin injection. Right. But it's more of a safety net. You know, I mean, obviously, it would be it'd be difficult to try and to try and incorporate that. So we do everything we can before before the race, um, and, and obviously the days leading up to the race um, to to not have to do that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's and I guess as the technology grows, you know, my daughter uses Dexcom too, and it just you know as the technology keeps growing, it's just going to get easier for you. So that's incredible. It really is incredible. So do you have? I mean, I imagine with all the speaking you do and everything, is there is there one thing that you say to people and and kids? You know, is there a way that that you can get across to somebody who's listening right now who's afraid to try something like this or? someone who doesn't want to put their kid in little league or something like that. Is there, is there anything you can say to them that would, that would maybe make them feel a little better? I mean, you know, I think that, um, for me, you know, the, uh, my diabetes management right off the bat was so much better because I had, because I, I had that, I had racing, you know, I had, I had my dream to motivate me to, um, you know, I mean, I, Ann told me right off the bat, if you don't manage this and take care of yourself, you, you can't get back into a race car, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, having that motivation, you know, I mean, to the parents, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think everyone knows that sports for kids is a, is a big deal. I mean, it keeps them motivated, keeps them, whether it's good grades or keeps them out of trouble, you know, and it's the same thing with diabetes, you know, I mean, it makes you, makes you strive for something, whether it's sports or whatever it is that they want to do, you know, I mean, just whatever their dream is, um, you know, managing your diabetes is, is going to be a part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, for the kids, just, just go out there and do what you love to do and, um, have fun with it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, instead of me looking at it as like, man, you know, I got to do something that no one else has to do. It's everyone has responsibilities to make sure they're healthy when they go do whatever they do, whether it's sports or their job or whatever, you know, you can't, you can't show up with two hours of sleep and expect to be, expect to be there your best. You know, you can't, you have to, you have to do you can't show up and not eaten for a day and expect to, you know, and to expect to do your best. You know, you got to take care of yourself. And um, people with diabetes just have a few extra, few extra steps to take care of yourself. I feel like. Has anything that you've learned while racing with Type One helped you in your personal life with Type One? Like, has has the that process? Have you learned something that you think you might not have learned had you not been in the car? And and does does managing in the car make managing in your regular life? easier harder is it does it change anything i feel like i'm i'm probably less stressed out when i'm when i'm away from the racetrack you know i mean um you know i feel like it's it's you know managing or management isn't it's it's always it's always stressful you know and it can it's definitely can always be frustrating but um you know i think that um i don't know it's not like 
especially an hour or two before the race, it's, it's pretty much all I'm thinking about, you know, and trying right. to manage that and being focused on the race can be challenging. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, I don't know if it's made it any easier um, management, um, maybe a little less stressful. Less stressful. Yeah, because you, you figure if you can do it in the car, you can probably, you can probably do it anywhere. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I can, you know, I feel like, you know, there's less things going through my mind, you know, man, you know, did I, do I need to check, you know, and I have that, I have the ability to check um, at any time, you know, when I'm, when I'm just, you know, hanging out at my house or whatever, you know, or at the right. shop, where when you're in the race car, you know, I check out for the race and then, and then I rely on my Dexcom, you know, so, yeah. um, it's just, I feel like, you know, you, you have a lot more freedom when you're just, when I'm not, when I'm not inside the race car. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I've definitely noticed things that I don't know if I've learned how to manage my diabetes any better, but I've, I've, I've learned a lot about the disease. I feel like for myself, um, inside the race car and how my, how my diabetes reacts to certain things, you know, whether it's dehydration or heat or stress or adrenaline, you know, I've seen, I feel like, you know, I mean, you know, I raced 33 times last year. And so in those 33 races, I started to notice patterns and consistencies. That's crazy. That's great, actually. So does winning the first, I mean, this is the first, you won the first race of the, of the, of the season, right? Yeah. The first, uh, first race of the season, Daytona kicks off our season and we had a new, um, I think you were getting ready to go here, but, um, we, uh, we have a new title sponsor with Xfinity uh, this right. year. And so, um, they're on board for like the next 10 years, I believe. So, uh, to get the first Xfinity win and kind of bring in that new era was, uh, was pretty, pretty amazing. And does winning the first race of the season, does it, I mean, I assume your, your goal every time you go out is to win, but does this change your expectations, your outlook or how you're going to attack the, the race season this year? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, you know, talk a little about winning, you know, it, you know, it's, it's different than, you know, football season or something like that. You know, you'll never see a, uh, a driver in NASCAR have a 500, um, uh, you know, 500 year, you know, you're never oh, sure. going to win half your races. You're never, as a race car driver, you better get ready to lose a lot more races in a year than you're going to win. Um, because you have, you know, 40 other teams out there that you're competing against, um, every week and they're 40 very, very good teams. Um, so, I mean, you look at, you know, if you talk about drivers that have outstanding years, you know, you look at drivers that had seven, eight wins. I mean, that's, that's a stellar year. I mean, those are years that you dream about. Yeah. Um, so to get, to get, I mean, even one win a year, um, you know, I mean, that's obviously, you know, I, I, we have one, one win and we're already focused on going out and getting another, but you know, at the end of the year, if you can look back and say, okay, well, we got to win this year, you know, so it wasn't a total, it wasn't a, you know, we didn't have a totally bad year, you know, um, versus, you know, if you, if you feel like if you go all year without without a win, then you look back and you just feel like you feel empty, you know, you feel like, man, we never, we never did what we wanted to do, which is go, go to victory lane. And that's, and that's really what, you know, all the guys put in all the hard work. I mean, you know, there's so many guys that uh, part of our race team that, um, I mean, just, just slave at the shop and, and, uh, and just put in so much, so many hours and so much hard work. So, uh, well, you, you could know, to, feel. Get, to get us all off, start the year off with the win is, is huge. You could feel the emotion, like, you know, from the crew. <laughs> you know, just, it, ex- everyone just exploded, you, you know, um, and, and I wanted to talk about when, when you, when you got back and, and you got out of the car and somebody came up to you with a microphone. I just thought it was really great. The first thing you talked about getting out of the car was not being held back by your diabetes. Ryan, every kid dreams of racing here. You've won. Can you describe just the excitement, especially on that final lap in the past? I mean, four years ago, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Told I would never drive a race car again. 
and now I'm staying at Victory Lane in Daytona with Roush Fenway, and I just can't thank Lily Diabetes and American Diabetes Association, everyone who supports Drive to Stop Diabetes enough. Oh my God, we won Daytona! I mean, I, I just was really touched by that as a, as a person who loves somebody who has type 1. You know, like, the, you didn't get out and start thanking anybody else, or, you know, you, you didn't talk about the race, you just jumped out and you thought, it seemed to me like you thought, somebody's listening to me right now, I got to make sure I, I, I get my advocacy. I'm sure you weren't thinking about it that much, but it was just really, it, it was it was heartwarming to see you come out of the car talking about type one like that. Well, I mean, I think for me, you know, it was, um, you know, you don't you don't see it on TV, but you know, uh, you know, you go you go do your your burnouts or whatever on, on the racetrack, and then you go to Victory Lane, and um, you know they're doing other interviews and stuff, so. They'll tell you when to hop out of the car so they can get all that on camera. <laughs> and um, so I had, I don't know, probably 30 seconds to sit there and, and just, you know, soak it in for a minute. You know, I had people come in front of the window and congratulating me and stuff. But, um, you know, for me, it was, you know, I kept my helmet on. I didn't I didn't start ripping my stuff off, and I just wanted to reflect for a second and uh, think about, you know, I mean, I think when you when you have, you know, a, a peak moment in your life like that, you start to uh, you start to think about, um, you know, where, where, how you got here and you know, how, how, you know, what took you here. And, um, you know, diabetes was just such a big moment in my life when I got diagnosed and being told I couldn't race. And to, you know, for me, it was just, like I said, in the interview, you know, to be standing in victory lane four years later after being told you're not going to race anymore. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that's all I ever wanted, you know, as a kid growing up is to be, is to be winning races, at the high, you know, the highest levels of NASCAR. And so it's a big, um, it's a big moment to get that, to have that yeah, come to you. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's just what I was thinking about. And they stuck camera in my face and I talked about what I was thinking about, you know, and, um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, obviously, you know, the opportunity I had to be, you know, having a victory lane interview. And, uh, I wanted to use that opportunity to, to reach out to, you know, the people that are, you know, devastated by this disease, whether it's kids or parents or just anybody living with it, you know, um, yeah. are affected by it. You know, I just wanted to, to really use that opportunity to, uh, to, um, just, just say, you know what, it's, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and, uh, and just keep, keep persevering. Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's my message. Like we, my, my daughter lives a very bold life with type one. We, we don't, we don't think about you know, things in, in terms of what she can and can't do, just, you know, what has to happen to accomplish certain things in, in situations that are maybe more taxing. Um, you talked about the path to racing. From go-karts, what is the path to getting into a NASCAR? Like, you know, what was the first thing you raced competitively? Uh, well, I mean, the go-karts are, go-karts are, uh, I think, um, you, you go ask racing dads, um, you know, they're, they're super competitive, you know, yeah. I, I want to, I mean, go-karts, uh, growing up were, I mean, they're one of the most competitive things I've ever done, okay. ever raced in. Um, they're, especially as you get, you know, maybe when you're four years old, you know, it's, it may not be, uh, as competitive. It's competitive for the dads more so than the drivers. <laughs> the, the kids don't even, I mean, they're like, they Just get done fun. with the race and they're like, can I go ride my bike or whatever with my friends? Yeah. But, um, you know, as you get older, it gets more and more competitive. You know, I remember when I was 12. I mean, you're racing, you know, national races where kids are traveling in, not just from the country, but you get kids flying in from Brazil and Europe and stuff. So wow. um, it starts to get really competitive in go karting. And then, you know, for me, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different avenues. There's no set path for, for race race car drivers and how you get to where you want to go. But you know, there's a lot of different avenues you can go. You can go to open wheel racing. For me, my passion was always NASCAR. And so when I got done go karting, I wanted to go. I wanted to go follow the whatever path was going to take me to NASCAR. So, uh, for me, I started racing, uh, what's called a legends car 
and then late models, and then from there I raced um, in a series called ARCA, right. and then ARCA into uh, what's now where I'm at now, which is the Xfinity series. Um, and so I know a lot of those series and what I just said, you know, may not make sense to many people, but you know, it, those are all just stepping stones, and um, and those are all uh, kind of uh, feeder series into into higher levels. And, um, you know, those are, um, it's just where you kind of cut your teeth and develop. Is your rise considered quick? I mean, are you young compared to other drivers? No, I mean, I would say this is a pretty standard age for, to be in the series that I'm at, you know, okay. um, I feel like people, you know, I mean, and there, there's no, I mean, you know, there's, there's probably, I would say a five year gap, you know, I could be anywhere from, um, you know, three to three to five year gap, you know, I could be anywhere from 18 as young as 18 in this series, or I could be 25 in this series and you wouldn't consider that too young or too old. What's the what's the next step then, and how does it change? Or the car? What is the next step first? Uh, well, I mean, there's only one more step left, and that'd be the Sprint Cup Series, um, and uh, you know that's that's definitely where that's where I want to be, and that's I want to be racing at the top levels in NASCAR, and um, you know it's uh, it it is you know I mean it's it's the last jump in in um, in in NASCAR, you know I mean yeah. you're gonna be racing at the highest level. The cool thing about where I'm at right now is I get to compete against guys. Um, that are racing a sprint cup level. I mean, Brad Kozlowski, who we had to pass for the win, is a sprint cup champion. You know, I mean, he's won tons of sprint cup races and and won and won a championship. So, um, you know, being in the Xfinity series really gives you a chance to see where you stack up. Um, and so, when you are ready for that move, you know, you know where you're going to be, and you know that you're ready for it. What's the change at that next level? Are the cars faster? I mean, I know the the races the big, are longer. The biggest thing is is the competition. You know, I mean, okay. you have, um, I mean, every every driver in that cup series, sprint cup series, is incredible but yeah i mean there's some differences in the cars um you know i mean we there's not a there's a little bit of a horsepower uh difference um a little bit difference in the way the car handles um but um i mean for the most part it's a caliber driver and um you know i mean there's um you know i would say you know the 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 engineering focus on those cars is probably bigger too so i mean the amount of engineering that goes into the sprint cup cars is a little bit larger than what goes into our uh, our Xfinity cars. Gotcha. So in your personal life, when you're out on the road driving, is it just incredibly boring? <laughs> uh, it's. I wouldn't say it's boring. It's, it can be frustrating at times. Uh, you know, I know that... Do, do you always want to fill the space in front of you? Uh, no, I just would like to, I just like to go, I just like to, I just like to be around drivers using common sense and, and going a reasonable speed. You know, I feel like if you're going five under the speed limit, I can get pretty frustrated at times. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm not the most patient driver. That's for sure. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you are. Do you do anything outside of racing? Um, I know you talked about, about doing some like triathlon stuff and stuff like that, but do you have, I mean, what do you do in your personal downtime? I mean, what's the last movie you saw in a theater? Oh, uh, well, let's see. The last movie I saw in theater uh, must have been American Sniper. Uh, I love movies, so I, you know this this time of year, you know my schedule picks up. Um, but uh, you know through the off season, I saw a lot of movies. And um, but I mean, you know, I think uh, think that you know for me, it's you know, I mean, when I get away from the racetrack, I just hang out with with my friends. You know, we're all in our early twenties, and yeah. um, just try to be twenty something year old kid. You know, and have fun. And uh, you know, I spend. Uh, I live on a lake in Charlotte um, or North Carolina. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we spend a ton of time out on the lake during the week and uh, just trying to relax and have fun and enjoy myself. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, I think uh, this, as a race car driver, life can get pretty stressful. You know, you got a lot of expectations on you. But uh, I noticed, you know, this year my goal was to go in and have a lot more fun and, and take all the stress off. And, and so far it's worked out all right. So, you know, I just want to continue that and continue having fun and continue just, uh, just, 
you know, doing what I do and not to, not have to put too much pressure on myself. You know, I mean, you I mean, listen, you're a young guy. You're coming off incredibly level-headed. But, I mean, what you're doing is what it, – is it the most popular spectator sport in the country or is it cl- – it's got to be close, right? Um, I believe that football is, is the highest spectator sport. I'm not sure exactly the statistics. But, yeah, I mean, I know it's one of them. We're definitely – uh, in the top three or four, and uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's funny, you know. I mean uh, you get a you get a lot of you got you get a lot of responses from uh, from fans of the sport, good or bad. So you yeah. know, there's a lot of eyes watching, and there's a lot of there's a lot of expectations on you as a driver. Which um, you know, sometimes after a bad, after a good race, you know, you want to be all over Twitter and Instagram and everything <laughs> else, checking out what people say. And after a bad race, you, uh, you you give it a few days before you get on, put get your, on Twitter. Put your phone down, yeah. Do you think, exactly. in general, in the in the NASCAR community, do you think it's even, is it common knowledge that you have type 1, or is that not something you would really hear about? Is it just we're just focused on it because of of being people who live with diabetes, do you think? No, it, I mean, it's definitely common knowledge, you know, and, um, you know, I think uh, the, you know, we're doing exactly what we want to do with having Lily Diabetes and American Diabetes Association and the whole Drive to Stop Diabetes program. Uh, on the car, you know, it's, it raises a lot of, you know, anytime you see, um, a sponsor on a car, everyone in the NASCAR community, um, takes a look at it, you know, it's, you know, sponsors are hard to come by and, and partners are hard to come by. And, um, so when people, when, when you do have a, you know, when you, when you do bring a partner into the sport, everyone takes a look at it and wants to know who they are and wants to, you know, thank them because, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a huge deal for people to come in the sport and support programs. And, um, so, and then obviously ours is unique, you know, it's not, you know, when I get up there and start talk, telling my story, and like you said, I, I didn't hop out of the car and you know start rattling off sponsor names. We, we got, I got to tell my story, and so I think that uh, people really, people really appreciate that, and you know, I know I really appreciate that from Lily, and and I know that they, that's exactly what they want is to just use this platform to raise awareness and and spread a positive message, which which is pretty unique even in NASCAR. So I think that it, yeah, cool. you're definitely doing it. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely doing it, and in like you said, in a unique situation. So. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, from, you know, just from me, thank you very much. And I'm sure the entire community is, is, is completely thrilled for you. So I just, you know, let me tell you, thanks and uh, for coming on the show and congratulations again. I mean, we really, I mean, I hope the whole season just like, I'd like to see you win 40 races this year, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I hope so too. I'd like that too. That, uh, that'd make, uh, make for pretty, pretty awesome 2015, but I'll settle, I'll settle for, for a few more and, uh, hopefully a championship. Well, dude, we'll be watching it and rooting you on. And thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Music for the Juice Box podcast is written and performed by Sydney Muller. Don't miss Ryan's next race this Saturday, February 28th at 2 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. My Type 1 Diabetes Parenting blog, Arden's Day, is at Ardensday.com and on social media at Arden's Day. Thanks very much. I'll see you next week. Oh, my God. We won Daytona!